0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of The Snapshot. We're your hosts, my name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than Marvel Snap phenom, KM Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game, and for episode 10, we're joined by Magic the Gathering legend, Jerry Thompson. Along with an incredible pro career, which includes a win at Pro Tour Almond in 2017, Jerry is the co-host of Arena Deckless, a podcast I've listened to for years and is one of the best resources out there in the Magic the Gathering community. This is an episode you're surely not going to want to miss, so let's get into it all right cam how was your week in marvel snap how was uh i saw you're preparing for a tournament what did that look like
1: it looked like me bashing my head into a brick wall made out of thanos Mm. uh it was i've never had i i'm a person who puts a ton of pressure on myself and i felt like i needed to be ahead of the metagame in this tournament in order to compete and what ended up happening is no i'm not ahead of the metagame i'm just i'm just the guy who's bringing the good decks like (laughs) I uh I, I assume deck lists will be open by the time this podcast comes out. Uh if they're not, edit this out, obviously. But like yeah, I brought I brought I brought very uh very obvious decks mm. for uh the purposes of this tournament. And that's you know that's that's on me. Um I think that anyone who really thought hard about these matchups could beat me, depending on how it goes. Uh, I do think there are counters to Thanos. I just think the counters to Thanos tend to lose to Shuri. And I do think there are perhaps ways to beat both Thanos and Shuri. But if you try to do that, you're probably going to lose to everything else. And it put me in a really awkward position because I don't think there's anything that's good against Thanos and Shuri that's also good against literally anything else. And, you know, I I really basically hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. because I, I don't want this to be the be-all end-all. I want the metagame to move. I want the metagame to flow. But as is, I think, you know, especially since it's a 16-person tournament, I think you can reasonably try to metagame it. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if some cool stuff came out of this tournament that was then not very successful on ladder. But, or I guess I should say outside of the confines of Thanos and Shuri matchups, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked at that. I just... uh I think it, uh, frankly, I think there are ways to attack these decks. Like, for example, Thanos is one of the things I found was Thanos is like really weak into like there. There are some Zabu Darkhawk decks that I was able to make work. running like Green Goblin and Polaris and things like just enough to get an edge and then put rocks in the deck and just generally slow it down. You can beat Thanos like that. But we tried a couple of them and they seemed pretty poor into Shuri. There were promising things. It's just the the, the one two punch and the not knowing what your opponents might bring scared me off of bringing them. Mm.
0: Yeah, Marvel Snap's one of those games where I would be in a tournament like this. I would I'd be pretty surprised if people brought like archetypes you weren't expecting. But I think it's like you know more like tech cards, right? Like who's bringing their Cosmos and their Shang-Chi's and like maybe like a Valkyrie or something like just unknown. Cards that do kind of one slot cards that are going to surprise you, maybe blow you out. Um, I would be surprised if you, if you see people show up with like Patriot or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but I I think generally my week in Marvel snap was one that I'd characterize as frustrating. I mean, I Mm. do think I became a better player uh, playing against the people that I played against testing against the people that I played against. Mm -hmm. Shout out to every single one of them, by the way, Uh, I'm actually going to list them all off now. Because I actually do think that is legitimately uh, important enough to do. Uh, Get wrecked, Jamronaut, Mickey, uh, the Human Spider, Lamby series. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull. Like if I played against oh, Coco Four, I played against Coco Four. Uh, I had input from, uh, Owen Collier Ridge. I even reached out to Kronich, uh, to see if anything was happening there. I had input from, uh, 69Boomer420420, who owns the greatest Twitch chat name of all time. Uh, Jammernaut, I don't know if I mentioned already, I believe I did. Actually, an Arena Decklists alumnus as well, I believe. So, that is, uh yet another contribution jerry has inadvertently made to my growth as player yeah
0: so this week also kang came out obviously uh, <laughs> i've been playing a lot with that card it's one of my favorite cards i think they've ever created in marvel snap i say that with the hesitation that I don't know if it's too powerful or if it's too frustrating and it's actively bad for the game. But me as the individual player on my side of the board, I love playing that card. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're going to keep that makes du- sense. Yeah, it does you're, make sense that
1: you are exactly the person who'd be like, "Ha, ha, ha, ha I know everything you're doing. Like, yeah. that's exactly that's your that's your thing.
0: Yep, it's asymmetric risk and asymmetric fun, and I'm all about that. We're gonna keep the news. <laughs> We're gonna keep the news short this week um, because we have got a big main topic. So main thing I just want to point out is Days of Future Pass. Uh, the upcoming season pass is coming out uh, on Monday night, and uh, yeah, the card there, Nimron, He's a five-five. When this is destroyed, add a copy to each other location. Uh, Cam. Do you think this is good? Is it is it on power level with something like Zabu or Silver Surfer, or is it just kind probably of Probably not,
1: but that's probably good. Yep, it is good. I, I uh, agree. I mean, turn six Galactus is a cool concept. Shuri, Nimrod, Galactus, very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, fairly easily counterplayed, but, you know, it might be sneaky. I, I do think, honestly, the thing about Nimrod that sticks out the most to me is not even to anything to do with his, who he is, his card design or anything like that. I didn't know who this character was. Uh, like, I, I don't know who Nimrod is. I only know Nimrod is like kind of an insult, right? Mm-hmm. And so I looked it up and it turns out Nimrod was like this great hunter. And that's where they got the name for this. this. This is a sentinel. It's like a mutant hunter, right? And but sometime in like the 1950s, Bugs Bunny made fun of Elmer Fudd by sarcastically comparing him to the great hunter Nimrod, Right. And now it just means you're an idiot. Uh, I,
0: I mean, I am honestly just so surprised that you had that whole story in your back pocket.
1: <laughs> no, I, like, I, 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 I was confused because it's like it's like they came out with a character that was named Moron. Yeah, but it, they but they but it like, oh, it turns out there was a good reason why the character was named Moron. Yeah. Like, I told it's, it's, it's weird. No, it's a weird it's a weird choice. He's not a character I've ever heard of before. And so the first instance, the first thought I had was like, who's this idiot?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I don't, like. wouldn't, is there like a better, like, wouldn't, I don't know, Kitty Pride be a better battle pass card, perhaps?
0: Mm, I think that I'm going to say this on the, with the possibility of just being. Absolutely hated by everybody. But I think Marvel Snap in general has some pretty uh, some pretty weak naming. <laughs> um, like it's just it's uh, it tends to be kind of bad. And you talk about not knowing this character. Uh, I know it's sacrilegious, but I, I have not had experience with most of the Marvel Snap characters and most of the Marvel Snap universe. Um, yeah, the card game has really been my my first dive in into the uh, in, into Marvel. But let's talk about Nimrod. Yeah, five, So five for ten. That's powerful. But I, like. I think it's just finding good ways to destroy it on turn six or like before then, maybe if you're able to cheat this out. I think that's the hard part, right?
1: I think the issue is the payoff isn't enough, right? Like, Mm. okay, so you do your super big, awesome Nimrod combo, right? Is it better than if you played Wong Doom Odin? Is it less vulnerable to hate than if you played Wong Doom Odin? Like, no, right? Like, what is the upside here? The upside is it gets to live with Galactus, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Uh, The upside of a Shuried one is that it can't be Shang-Chi. That's pretty cool. So you got to look for situations where it would be better than things that are already in the game, right? And so this, in order to find those situations, it's kind of hard to do. Yeah, it's a bit
0: narrow, it feels like, but I i didn't think about that if you shang if you uh, if you show sure you this it can't be shang chi to create two five tens that's like it's funny. stupid
1: right yeah, like that's yeah. not actually like a use case but it does matter it's great like, it is it's like uh-huh. you have to like the way i always think about card evaluation is not to be like you know this is good right now but like more to be like you know what are the situations in which you would want to do this rather than doing something else right mm-hmm. and to me the most obvious one is definitely galactus yeah, but definitely. would you I guess that the real question there is, would you actually rather be doing Nimrod stuff and telegraphing your play even more? Or is there a way that like you can keep your Galactus secret or are people just going to like, you know, if you play a Nimrod on five, they're just going to be like, oh, well, he's Galactusing me now.
0: Yep. Yes.
1: Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping there's like use cases for him that I'm just not seeing, basically, because the use cases that I do see are not particularly
0: compelling. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't see this seeing immediate like uh I guess it will see immediate play for people to try it out, but I don't think it'll be meta defining like we saw with Silver Surfer and Zabu. So maybe more in line with like what Modoc was doing when it came out. But you're right, that's okay. Modok's
1: good. I actually think like Modoc is an underrated deck, mm-hmm. straight up. Yeah. Like it it's not like like in and of itself, I think it made the discard archetype genuinely pretty functional. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for, you know, the meta tyrants, I think we might actually see people playing Modoc on ladder. But uh unfortunately for Modoc it gets turned off by the card leech. So you know,
0: RIP to that guy. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's go into the, the bend and snap. We have a question from Matthew Grootman, 9810. Matthew says, do you guys think more card draw would ruin the game by making combo decks too consistent? Not on powerful bodies like 4-1 card draw, for example. Well, Let's just go with the first one. Do you think that um, you know, more card draw could potentially ruin the game? Is it, is it, is it dangerous in Marvel Snap? Extremely. Yeah, It's extremely dangerous. Is not there, just for combo decks, just for any deck. For any decks, right. I mean, like, what do you, you think just, about you already Thanos?
1: just know you get to do your thing so you just get to like know you get to do your thing 100% of the time what's the, like there's some variance in this game for a reason you know
0: what do you think about Thanos where you know you're diluting your deck with these stones quote unquote diluting cuz <laughs> that's kind of a up for interpretation but you are rewarded with like a lot of card draw on said cards it feels very good right it is good
1: <laughs> uh it didn't used to be good it took a while for these decks to sort of coalesce Mm -hmm. I uh, played around with Thanos and Lockjaw and uh, my original conclusion back when I had early access to it was like, there's probably better things to do with Thanos. This feels really inconsistent. And then the decks got refined and Leech got introduced. And I think that was the real turning point. I believe there was a player named Elite Xhasa who was running Leech back in like January. And the the introduction of leech was pretty critical to the deck because otherwise, you know, you're weak to Killmonger, you're weak to Shang-Chi, and then suddenly you're just not. Those cards are not good against you anymore because you you, you yank a a leech at a lockjaw, you play a leech off the time stone, and then the game ends.
0: Yeah. But uh, Matthew, to answer your question, I do think that Second Dinner has shown us via their card design that card draw is a very premium at Marvel snap. And I do think that it, it is, it is quite dangerous um, in terms of what, what, what it can unlock and in, in consistency. And maybe it is combo decks. Maybe it's not, maybe just card advantage is too powerful. So I think we've seen that uh, via, via the design. Um, and I don't expect that we'll see a lot of cards that, you know, are basically just drawing you, drawing you more cards and knitting you up on, up on cards without making you jump through some hoops and able to sort of get that payoff. The big thing I want and this is this is
1: the card draw buff that I want in the game. They should buff Crystal to make her draw four cards.
0: She currently draws three.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. like what they should do is make her discard three or shuffle in shuffle in draw four.
0: I could see that. Yeah. Seems like it'd I, be fine. I, I
1: don't know if that would, I don't know if that would do anything. I want to find out though. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean like
1: I want to play with a card like that in Marvel Snap. I want like some Reason to dump my hand early. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. I want a reason to dump my hand early. And then I want to be able to draw more cards
0: late. I want that. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I I think uh, looking at Crystal, I like when I first saw the card, I was like, this is definitely a card that it's right up my alley. And then I played with it and I was like, oh it's like oh man
1: this is awful like this is an unplayable card and it's like i i want to play zoo warlock or whatever you know i want to play that in this game and thanos is actually the thing that comes the closest right yeah and that's why you know cards like sandman not actually that good against thanos because thanos is just dumping all that stuff on like one two three four
0: yeah i i honestly this is kind of a tangent but i freaking love thanos i think it's like I know that it's uh you're probably getting a bit fatigued with Thanos because it is popular right now and it is sort of looked at as the top deck but I love like what function that that card does in Marvel Snap cuz I don't think there's a lot of cards that can give you a similar experience right where you're you're drawing additional cards you like and it just feels like you're able to manipulate your deck more when you're playing Thanos could be an illusion could not but uh I think Thanos isn't even the problem in his own deck yeah Well, you think think it's just Leech? Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think if Leech didn't exist, this deck has way more counters. As is, the only ways to legitimately counter it are put put stuff in the deck Mm -hmm. or put stuff on their board. Yeah, And if that ever becomes like the dominant mode of countering Thanos, Thanos can just go back to the Stones builds. Mm -hmm. Where you run Carnage and stuff to clean up the crap people put on your board. To clean up your own Stones, right? You end up dropping Lockjaw, you sacrifice it for power, and you just end up playing Thanos as a consistency tool with, like, good control cards. And that's probably just totally fine. And, like, basically, I don't think this deck is going away, even if people figure out how to beat the Lockjaw version of it. Mm -hmm. Because the axes on which people beat the Lockjaw version of it do not work against the other versions of Thanos. Yeah. So like effectively Lockjaw is there's not really like a bunch of punish in the metagame for it right now. If the metagame suddenly became very heavy on Darkhawk and Rockslide and Korg and like Green Goblin and debris, well then suddenly you'd just be playing a different Thanos deck, right? Like you'd just be playing a Thanos deck that actually had answers to
0: those issues. I uh, I think the control version of that Thanos deck is actually like incredibly good. Uh um, it's actually just good. It's super good. Especially with Kang. <laughs> like it's it's really good with Kang. Uh Den was posting on Twitter about a list that he's been playing um and yeah, it's it's great to be honest. And it's actually somewhat resistant to leech like if you get leeched actually if you get leeched super early, I guess Less so then, but if you get leached reasonably, like turn five ish, uh, it's still fine. You're right, like Magneto getting leached still a six twelve, um, Danna sometimes still a six twenty one. Uh, it's a good top end. Yep. But yeah, all right. Well, if you want to get your question read out on the pod, you can shoot us a comment um, on YouTube, and we'll get it read out for the bend and snap section. All right, on to the main topic: Kang Series Five acquisition. We're joined by Jerry Thompson. I know Cam, you have some some nice words to say, so I'm gonna let you take it away. Who told you that? <laughs> Who told you that? Okay, they're actually, they might not be so no, nice. Uh, Jer-
1: Jerry, Jerry is someone without whom I would not be here. Uh, I don't know how many people know this, but my competitive background before uh, Marvel Snap, in as much as Marvel Snap has a competitive background, was in playing Magic the Gathering on uh, MTG Arena. And I would not have been able to even come close to being a half-decent player of that game. If I had not joined Jerry's Arena Decklist Discord, uh, he is the model that I base sort of every, uh, I guess, aspirational goal for the community I want to cultivate on. And I think that not just being a a good player is important, but being someone who's willing to share and grow and help other people grow. Because I know there are tons of legitimately incredible players that came out of that Discord. Uh, I think uh, like, there are actually too many to name, and I, it's am, a lot. I am far from, I, am far from uh, I guess, an exception to the rule. <laughs> like It turns out when you create a place where people feel comfortable to uh, ask questions and improve, it's, it's a lot easier for them to do that. And so a lot of the tone of my content, a lot of the tone of what I do is sort of modeled after Jerry.
2: Well, don't uh, forget that nepotism invite too, man.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, obviously he's like incredible at card games, right? But like honestly, I do feel like given the way card game players tend to be, that creating a community like that is at least an accomplishment on par with being as good as you are at playing cards. Yeah. Lord,
2: I, I I appreciate all that stuff. I was gonna say don't don't forget about the nepotism invite for the beta. Right, <laughs> you're right.
1: That's the most important thing. I would literally not be playing Marvel Snap if Jerry had not nepotismed invited me into the beta. (laughs) He knew a guy who worked for Second Dinner, who I will not name, but thank you. And I got an invite to the beta because he reached out to that guy. And then I will say this. Two weeks later, I got my actual invite to the beta. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Look, you got a two week head start. Clearly, that was all the difference. That was all that mattered. it's the most
1: important thing. A nepotism rules. It was perfect. I nepotismed my way into this. Uh, I would not be here without Jerry, or at least I would be here two weeks from now. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was. Uh, I did not know a guy, unfortunately, but was was actively searching for that nepotism invite. Um, funny story. I, so I started card games pretty recently, basically with Flush and Blood, and I. I learned Magic: The Gathering pretty much retroactively through coverage. Um, I just became obsessed with it. Kind of dove into all the all the, the big history of Magic coverage, and I, I watched a lot of SCG. So I kind of I kind of learned Magic through Jerry Thompson, watching him dominate that circuit. So definitely a big. So you're fan. like
1: surprised. Oh, so you're like surprised that his hair isn't
0: you know yellow. It is. Uh, it is off brand. It is off brand. Yeah. There
2: there's actually I tried to dye it purple. There's a little tint of purple in it, but it didn't really take. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. I was trying to go with something new and different, not just back to the bleach blonde, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean like you go, you go, you go for a Psylocke vibe. Yeah. With it. Yeah.
0: Silock rules. Alright, so, sort of first thing on our order of business here, there was a pretty interesting card dropped recently It's going to be Kang the Conqueror. 5-0 on reveal. Look at what your opponent did, then restart the turn without Kang. I don't want to prime this question, I just kind of want to get your raw thoughts on it. What has been your all's experience with this card? Have you gotten to play with this card, Jerry? And KM, how has it been working out for you?
1: You want to go first?
0: Sure. Uh, so...
2: I am collection level 4,400 or so. I have, you know, taken some breaks and I'm certainly not streaming basically daily like KM is. So at at some point very quickly, he surpassed me by quite a lot. But uh, I have a decent amount of like Series 4 and Series 5 cards or whatever, but I, I definitely don't have everything. And I don't have Kang. And I'm also basically just like doing my dailies and that's about it. So I'm not grinding a ton a ton and i just have yet to play against it i just haven't Mm -hmm. seen it see that
1: actually that actually like hold that thought i should have gone first because that actually leads me into something i wanted to talk about but i think for me i actually still have no idea how good he is uh he seems very powerful in battle mode because of the power of bluff snap equity on ladder i feel like he seems a little bit uh uh people tend to stay in those games so he has a lot less impact. Uh, if you if you're going to like turn five and you snap him and drop a kang, they're probably a lot less likely to leave unless they're really sweating it out. But I think generally his best use case is like he's the most powerful thing he can do is you draw him on turn five and you immediately play him to cycle. But. Unfortunately, that use case is only happening, like, I don't know, 20% of the time you play Kang. Because mm-hmm. you could play him on 5 and 6 and cycle him if you draw him on 5 and 6. But, you know, a lot of the Kang decks are also playing America Chavez because he's seen a lot of play in Thanos, and Thanos runs America Chavez. I am tempted to think that he is less than required outside of the context of battle mode. Uh, he is extremely unique, and I think a card that unique is going to take time to evaluate. That said. I think right now, I do not think you need Kang to rank up in any kind of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wanted to say, people who don't know this, back in the day, really early in my stream, I remember talking, I, I, I made allusions to an unnamed professional Magic player who was on the snap ladder. That was Jerry, of course. And at the time, we spent a ton, like, most of my first month was spent either watching Jerry or having Jerry watch me. I think another way in which I wouldn't be here if not for Jerry's, I'm pretty sure he's the reason I started streaming uh, this game, at least specifically, because we were basically already doing that.
2: Yeah, and we were trying to figure out, like, the best way to do it and display it, and I certainly jumped through a bunch of hoops, like, trying to figure out how to, like, capture my phone on the PC in the best way and everything.
1: My a laptop my old one could not run blue stacks and stream to you at the same time so i got this laptop which enabled me to actually do that and also run the stream itself yeah and at that point it's like
2: we're we're streaming anyway might as well just turn on go for twitch
0: you've done it before with magic a little bit so So, what the one thing i want to talk about in regards to kang is that if the game design, or it, the design of the card, seems it's unusual, right? I think it's a it operates as like a it's it's a very new concept in in Marvel Snap. Do you think that this represents sort of asymmetric risk, and is it a bit of a free roll to play on turn six to sort of get information of what of what your opponent potentially has if they have the Shang Chi, if they have the blowout, or they have the top end card that's going to beat you, like? What about this card isn't just an immediate slot in almost every single deck in order to gain that sort of cube equity of being able to free roll your opponent for information on turn six if you draw it?
2: Well, there, there is an opportunity cost where mm-hmm. it, it does take up a deck slot and if it's in your hand up until like turn five or turn six, it's, it's effectively a dead card, right? Mm-hmm. It's and discarding a card. yeah. Basically, I mean, it it does translate into something later. Like, I guess you could make the same argument for basically any five drop. But like. Is the equity that you're getting from this card worth having something else in your deck that, you know, could enable you to play out of a different situation?
1: You know, it's like. Like. Like, think of the cuts you're making for it in Thanos, for example. The two most common ones I see are you're cutting Magneto or you're cutting America Chavez. Those are big sacrifices.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is interesting where the the game itself, maybe this is going to be like too deep in the weeds or whatever, but uh, the, the game itself is relatively simple. And then they have like the occasional sort of like game breaking thing where it does nothing else that is going on in the game. And then there are like bugs that exist or things just like semi-infinite animation Mm -hmm. loops or whatever so it's like yeah anytime you introduce something like that you you run the risk of those sort of things happening and i don't know if like daredevil was sort of like the test case for this or whatever but it seems like they're they're sort of doing things along that line both in the like you know see what your opponent is doing before you make your plays basically or uh, trying to work in, like, these these weirdo game-warping things. And I, I think that that's cool. That's definitely, like, shooting for the moon for them. But I, I would much rather see these things happen than not.
1: Mm-hmm. Agree. Like, if you're a designer, you need to push the boundaries. I, I always defended magic in the same way, right? You just got to try, right? If you have the ability to do something that cool and that unique, you have to try to do it.
0: Yeah, so... What do you think about uh, specifically the the bluff snapping that you can do with Kang? Being able to basically play him on turn six, or obviously you can do it on turn five, snap your opponent, see what they have, rewind, and then it unsnaps for you. This is actually a a mechanic of Kang that I I didn't know was a thing for about, I don't know, 24 hours while I had the card until someone complained on Twitter. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's so much more powerful than what I've been using this card for. Does that feel, does it feel fun? Does it feel a bit unfair, you think, if you're on the other side of it? And do you think that they'll keep that, um, that association with Kang, like the ability to, to bluff snap your opponent? Because that's quite unique.
1: I would think that it would be a nearly worthless card if you didn't.
0: I think you could still get information, right? That would be the argument, is that you could still get turn six information on what your opponent's going to play to try to win the game.
1: I mean, I, it's, that, would be, that would be magicing it, right? Like, we know magic went from one of the best cards in the game to one of the worst doing that to Kang would take him from whatever he is now. I'm not even I don't even think he's like, woo, broken or whatever to uh, I would say almost completely unplayable unless you top deck him on five or six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that is his whole utility in battle mode right now Yeah, is that he makes bluff snaps weird. He makes there be an element of second guessing to every late snap in the entire game, which, by the way, I actually think the designers deserve kudos on this because what Kang does is add an element of uncertainty to boomer snaps, which I think is actually like a really cool thing to do because now suddenly you're like actually boomer snapping people and they have to be like, wait, is this a Kang bluff or is this guy an idiot, right? Like this is, it it changes the context of the entire game or, you know, it would if people had him. (laughs)
0: yeah we'll dig into that one too um so cam i know you put out a video on this but can you kind of Mm. sum up and slightly explain how kang is able to sort of change the rng outcomes um of some some card combinations so
1: again i'm not a professional i've had multiple smart people explain this to me i will do my best to parrot them i just noticed what was going on basically if you play a kang and, an, and your opponent plays, like, a couple effects that, like, use RNG, you'll be able to see what the results of that RNG is. So, like, one major utility of it is, you know, for example, uh, it's turn five, and you want to know... You have the location that sends everything here to other locations, and you want to know where those things are going to go. You can play the Kang, you can see that. But if on the turn after the Kang, you have priority... You can change the outcome of your opponent's RNG. So the context of this was we're playing a Lockjaw Mirror. Uh, If I play... If I have priority after playing the Kang and I want to... And you got like, I don't know, Chavez and Thanos out of a Lockjaw and I want you to not get Chavez and Thanos, I can play something that makes an RNG call. Uh, Anything that has a random effect, Basically can change the outcome of what your random effects will be. Because the way Marvel Snap works, there's an RNG seed, basically. Uh, The easiest way I visualize it is like, it's a random number, 1 through 10. And so you ask it to make a decision. And then the further decisions will no longer use that number. So like whatever number it was on was the number that gave them America Chavez into Thanos. That will always happen unless you make an RNG call after the Kang.
2: So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a thing that, for example, would like mess up Lockjaw, right? It's no, just, it could you, be you just literally, literally anything. Something in, yes. And then all the RNG stuff starts over.
1: Yes, it's completely different. So normally RNG after Kang is exactly the same. But if you change, like, if you use your five energy that you used to play Kang to instead play Scarlet Witch or even play something into Letchugia, as long as you have priority, their results will be different.
2: Okay, so then how, how does that affect potentially things that you want to put in the same deck as Kang? Like, what is, like, the best, cheapest, low opportunity cost way to potentially alter that? Because that does seem like a pretty big deal, especially more so for, like, maybe turn six and turn five. Reality stone. Yeah, just Thanos stones. Cool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> reality stone. But like there's like other other utility for it, right? Like locations can do this. Oh, uh, you know what else does it? Arrow Arrow makes an RNG call. Uh, that requires playing so you have to priority, you... Right. Yeah, as long as you have pl- priority. Playing into let you for example. Will can, can do that playing into or off of Letjugia. Like so, for example, one of the one of the examples I highlighted was uh, I got certain RNG when my opponent played onto to So I repeated the play, thinking it would be the same, but it wasn't the same because then they played off of lechugia I got different RNG because there was no longer an RNG call before my play. So I was getting the RNG from the previous number in the sequence. To use a very tortured
2: analogy, so then even if if you don't have Kang, it is still kind of important to know how it works and what Mm -hmm. you can do.
1: It's a very weird card that does very weird things. But like, frankly, I think that stuff is so in flavor. Like, isn't that just so cool that you can actually like, okay, we're going to go back in time and do a butterfly's wings type of thing and make the make the whole game change. Like, that's really, really cool. And I wish they had like, I don't know told us about it because like yeah. that's, so, that's so dope it's so dope that you can butterfly's wings kang and uh, i should actually while I, while i've got everyone here talking about this uh, i actually just released two new videos on kang one goes over this specifically the other goes over a bunch of other kang interactions so if you're wondering what kang actually does in these weird situations like morph you can check out my youtube channel KM best in a snap but like it's cool it's a cool ass card it's a shame that nobody has it and it's a shame that they didn't even like like i don't know i just feel like if you were the developers wouldn't you want to be like look at this cool ass stuff you could do with kang Mm -hmm. i think Look, look at look at how well we designed this card it's super crazy how in flavor it is and they just sort of left it to what me to figure it out
0: yeah, I think that Kang is one of my favorite Marvel Snap cards that's ever been designed, but I sort of hesitate to say that because I'm not sure if it's it's too powerful yet. Um, but it, it does sound like we're sort of torn between like the opportunity cost of putting Kang in your deck and card disadvantage versus information of what your opponent's going to play and what, you know, what they have in their deck specifically to win on turn six. I know I've seen, it's been very divided on Twitter, very extreme in terms of like the most overpowered broken card ever existed. And then like, you know, people talking about the win rate data on it being pretty, pretty low. My question is though, as well, did Kang potentially make the best deck better? I mean, the best deck getting better is kind of a consistent theme as we saw Thanos get buffed recently. But do you think that Kang is a slot into that deck and just improves it?
1: I don't think it's like a slam dunk outside of the context of battle mode. That's just kind of the issue, right? Like battle mode snap equity is really important and Thanos especially the mirrors are tough to get an edge in. That said, you know a card is really good in Thanos mirrors, Magneto. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's it's kind of tough because Magneto has this additional utility of, like, you know, if you get leeched, Magneto is actually just really big, and that's important. And Kang, if you get leeched, is an 05, and, like, that's unplayable. You're not ever playing the card Kang if you get leeched, so if you fall behind in the Thanos mirror, granted, if you fall behind, you probably did anyway, but if you fall behind in the Thanos mirror, this card's even worse than any of its replacements, and that's... Worth pointing out, it feels like the kind of card that helps you snowball when you're ahead, but it, it's unclear how much you need that. Mm. And I don't know if it's ever going to help you win when you're behind. The utility of getting an extra reroll on Lockjaw, you know, like, that's good, but, you know, if all the cards in your opponent's deck are really big and they aren't stones, I, I, they're probably going to get good stuff out of that anyway. You can only get so many rerolls, and it, it, I don't. I think he is good in the deck, but he does come with sacrifices. Uh, the major one would be, you know, he's minus one card for Devil Dinosaur, things like that. Hmm. Um, it's it's definitely not a clear-cut case of, oh, we got the best deck going better. Definitely
0: yeah. not. That's a really good point, actually, because my follow-up question was, is there, is there a way to counter King um, for people that might be having trouble? Um, even It's probably not that popular because it's, it's, uh, it's a series five. But... We talk about making the best yeah, like, better. Like
1: Jerry has collection level forty four hundred. I wanted to talk about this, Jerry. You have collection level forty four hundred. Yeah, you've never played against Kang.
2: No, nah, dude, I play like five games a day. Right, but like you've never played against Kang. No, are you in bot Elo? I'm at like rank sixty five or whatever. Right, but your MMR used to be super juiced, so it, it probably still is.
1: Yeah, like I, I win I, a I lot. I, <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't play that much. <laughs> Yeah, like your MMR used to be like super juiced in the first few months of the season. Jerry was like one of the three people I would play regularly. Yeah. Uh, And so like now that there are name changes, are we OK revealing the name of your account to see if anyone else played you or are you, are you still on that?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's Ye-lon, Yelan, Y-E-L-A-N.
1: If you ever run into somebody, it's not just a random Genshin Impact but, fan, it's it's this guy.
2: <laughs> but yeah, now now I'm gonna change my name. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That oh, was yeah, that was like day zero, I need a screen name. <laughs> and yeah. was like, what was the last thing that happened? It was like this character came
0: out. I had the I had a really weird scenario happen this season with Bot Yellow. So last season, basically from 80 to 100 i played only like chet human spider you know usual suspects it was really rough but this season i played monobots and i i didn't play past infinite like once i had infinite i was like i'm done (laughs) i'm done with zabu i'm gonna chill and this season i played not only bots but i played like at least like it felt like almost 50 percent of my games were bots um and like, you know, very easy to recognize, like he- heavily te- telegraphed, like juicing eight cubes out of bots, which so I don't know if they changed something or what, because it felt like for the past, like two or three seasons before that, I kept getting into this, you know, 80 or 90 to 100, just like no, they really grind. Yeah, really grindy, But now sure. a lot more bots at the higher end, at least like the, it,
1: the MMR in this game matchmaking, I guess I should say, has literally never been worse than it is now.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is. It is. I'm really looking forward to their matchmaking announcement. I would like to know you know what it is uh i also i should say this you might want to edit this out though i reached (laughs) out to the cm to see if any of the second dinner people would be interested in coming on here to discuss matchmaking changes Mm. because i think you know of all the avenues out there we are probably the one who has the most experience
0: with bad matchmaking (laughs) there's people at like 1000 infinite this season too. Jerry, what are your thoughts on the matchmaking system and the use of like a hidden MMR, um, especially in the way it functions at the top end where people sort of, they start in this low MMR where they're playing bots and, you know, they sprinkle in some players, then you, and usually in the middle, you play a lot of players and then at infinite or high infinite, you, you, you exit that system once again. And now you have players in the highest ranks of the game playing only bots.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think most games have some sort of MMR thing, like possibly using it to affect matchmaking and stuff. And I think that all of that is completely fine. Obviously, there are better ways to do it and worse ways to do it. And I think for Snap, when you're a new player, you start out playing against like some low-level bots. I think that is probably a good thing. And generally, maybe a lot more fun for new players than playing against like people who are sandbagging or like all the <laughs> people mm-hmm. who when the game officially released were just like you know stop at the end of series one and just like sandbag about you know there was a uh, guy
1: who stopped at the end of series one bought the sarah bundle and bought the Zabu bundle <laughs> wow Anus.
2: yeah so yeah you don't you don't really want to put those people against like the like I'm um, you know rank 20 and a brand new player because that's not great. I mean, we could maybe get into a whole discussion as to why their acquisition thing is not ideal uh, along these lines too, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Oh, we'll get there. Once, once you get to infinite though, and then I don't know, Cam, you're regularly in like, you know, 300, 400. I don't know what the highest you've ever been was or whatever, but that's so much farther than the average player, right? And I think that the, the problems that you're speaking to now are definitely not ones that are affecting the average player. And the average player is certainly who they should be concerned about way more than you. So it is I actually think about... Sorry, continue. No, it, it is bad when you're a notable streamer and people tune in and they're like, you know, why are your opponents so bad or whatever? And it's like, well, I only play against bots, you see, because I win so much right? It's like, that's not a good look for your game either, but is it better or worse than you getting pared down to the only other human in queue who's like, you know, rank 80, maybe middle of series three?
1: So I guess I can speak to that. I'm pretty sure they used to do that. Like one of the really common things I would get two months ago, and this, what would happen is basically Your MMR band, like the amount of people you'd be able to play would expand over the course of the season, which is sort of backwards, right? Like generally, you'd think that at the beginning of the season, that's when you're playing the most people because there's more people close to you because they do a soft reset of your MMR. But that's not true. So what would happen is, you know, this like he talked about, like Brendan talked about, you'd be playing the human spider and uh, Chet and like these same four or five people and it would make your climb really suck. And I I remember complaining about that. I was like, why am I being punished because I have a higher MMR? I'm only able to play the same five other people who have a high MMR while I watch other people get a very easy climb, right? And so I don't know. I I, I have no idea if they actually changed anything. No actual confirmation on that. It feels different because I think they heard that and they were like, damn, that actually does suck. There must actually be something wrong with whatever it is that we did because... You, that's backwards from how it should be. But whatever they did, it just gave me bots forever.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Which is
2: not a good solution either.
1: No, no. And I think uh, there's also like this other aspect to it. And I think I'd really interest you have been a pro for decades, right? Like you have been someone people listen to for at least a decade. And I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are. I, I just want to like outline something here. I get the sense that there are two groups of people. There are people like me and educated Collins who have real legit gripes about matchmaking. And then there are people who take our legit gripes and apply them to themselves when it is more or less a skill issue for those people.
2: Yeah how
1: would you as someone who is accustomed to being in a position of influence go about phrasing these criticisms such as it would make it clear that this is not like, you know, this is not what's preventing you from getting infinite. (laughs) Like this is not the thing that's holding you back. Now, card acquisition, you know, maybe we've talked about that, but like, matchmaking sucking for people like me or Collins who are like these huge outliers is not the same as matchmaking sucking for everybody. I think. And so I, I I tend to, I tend to like feel a little bit prickly when people like use my experience to talk about why matchmaking sucks for them. And it's like, I I don't think that's why, you know? And I just wondering like, if you're in my position, what would the method of raising awareness of this be without, I don't know, stoking the flames of resentment?
2: Yeah, it's tough because some some people would truly benefit from a wake-up call sort of thing and just, like, taking on a little responsibility and self-awareness as far as, like, you know, why, why can't you get past ranking or whatever, right? Like, th- at, at some point you are at fault for at least part of that. And if anything, I would think that if you are struggling to rank up, then your MMR overall is probably not great. And I don't know the finer inner workings of their system or anything. But if anything, I, I would have to guess that their the way that they do their MMR and matchmaking is such to kind of like help those players along. Right? Like if if you are struggling to rank up, they are not going to suddenly pair you against like you know the Giga Brain bots or whatever, like the cheater bots or uh, the people who are at like four hundred infinite or anything. Like they're gonna they're gonna start giving you like some wiffle ball moments, right? So I would
1: expect, yes. I,
2: I I would guess that that is my assumption. So, yeah, the, those those folks that are you know maybe trying to use like your woes as their excuse or whatever like that is just what they're doing and that is what they feel they need to do and it's it's not necessarily your job to give them that moment of clarity or self-awareness like they will either get there on their own or they won't and at the end of the day you just kind of have to like figure out what your goals actually are is it to make it so that people are able to be self-aware own up to their mistakes think critically like you can certainly take that route that is hard as hell though man. You know, the the best thing that you can do is like put the information out there, provide a good example, hope people kind of follow in your footsteps with that sort of stuff. But as far as like fixing things with the actual game, it's like, yeah, go directly to the people in charge. You can do it publicly if you think that you know, the the first couple steps have not worked out, like people don't want to hear you out, you do think that this is a big deal, then yeah, you could take it publicly if you want to, but just airing your your dirty laundry in public and then yes people are going to latch on to that and be like well KM said that the matchmaking sucked for him and this is my experience with it and like this is why I'm losing it's like no it's not what I was saying at all or you know it just it causes more problems yeah. right It just creates more noise so it's like what is your goal is your goal to make matchmaking better for everyone well i i don't know that you know what the real experience of like a rank 80 player is I actually
1: started a Smurf to get a better experience of what it's like to play through that early game now. But the problem with that is I'm just going to boost its MMR so high that it won't be the same,
2: right? Like you, you are never going to be able to like live in the shoes of the average player. And you're not, you're not going to know, you're not going to know like what sort of accounts and decks and players and bots they play against on a daily basis. So the, the thing that you can solve for is your experience. And what is the good solve for your experience? Because is it for you to get pared down against people where effectively you are smurfing, right? You have like almost full collection, if not full collection. And they're what, like tail end of, of series three, or maybe they made it through series three and are picking up some four and five cards or whatever. Like I, I don't, you know, for, as many people who are going to get paired against you and be like, oh, cool, I'm playing against this dude. I like this dude. Like, let's have fun. There are going to be people who complain about it because it's like, oh, yeah, obviously I get paired against like the best player in the game or whatever.
1: There, uh, th- That's actually, this is, this, is, this is funny you bring this up. There's someone who's impersonating me on ladder, and so I get like five or six GGs a day from, from people that think they played me but didn't. Right. And I can only assume that every single one of those GGs comes after they beat that guy. I hope so I hope so (laughs) I have a very strong theory that the majority of times people go and find you to GG you it's because they won and they're proud of it and they're happy about it and they want to like mark the occasion
2: Uh, I I think I, I think when I guessed it on your stream like this this came up and we talked about it you know yeah. And then there was like the discussion of like, what is what is actually BM and what is not BM? And yes, I
1: don't think that's BM, but it's just, I do think I, I've gotten a little bit better about that. I don't think it's BM to do that stuff, but they don't intend There it is it still BM. But, no, it, it kinda, and, but there is still a rule against it in my Discord just because, like, you know, I mean, if I, it's something that could hurt my feelings, even if I don't think it probably wouldn't hurt my feelings now, uh, It used to. And, you know, there are going to be people who have the same mindset as I used to. Yeah, Twitch well channels mis- toughen
2: you up, buddy. Glad to <laughs> hear yeah,
1: it. Yes. Uh, but like, like in terms of that stuff, it definitely used to be something that I cared about a lot. Now, I, I, I don't really think I do so much. Um, but like, I have, I have a working theory, and this is, this is not like meant to cast shade on anybody. But my working theory is the majority of what determines whether you thought it was a good game or not a good game is whether or not you won. And yeah. so the vast majority of like GGs are from people who would not do it if they lost. That is, that is my working theory.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's mostly accurate, whether, whether or not people recognize that or not. But yeah, I, I think that there are a lot of people who will play against you and think that it was a good game and then maybe not say anything about it. Right. Because they but lost. Like- so <laughs> You know, I I think that but they, most like, people clear, have good intentions. You know what I, I agree. mean? But to be
1: clear again, these are not people who are actually playing against me. My point is, yeah, there's a guy yeah. out there named KM best on the ladder who appears to play mostly Galactus mm. and just throw games. All I can all I can assume from the like where I'm going with this is the amount of GGs I receive, I can only assume this person is throwing games like just just incredibly i was watching uh, so,
2: someone stream and they played against someone with my screen name really Intriguing. yeah so like th- that is also a thing i i just don't understand why people are able to have the
0: same screen name but like, mm. whatever
1: uh, it's like blizzard's right like it's like a hearthstone they did it exactly like that there's numbers at the end yeah. of your screen name
0: Okay, mm-hmm. discord too for you yeah. unique unique identifier comes after the name <clears throat> i i worry that uh, this segment is only going to encourage people to um uh to impersonate more yeah it's good yeah.
1: Uh, go uh, you know what i you have my blessing yeah well you have my blessing it's a form of, it's a form
0: of flattery in a way go I, uh, out
1: there and name yourself uh KM sucks i i i'm with it at this point at well, this point
2: I, I did say i'm gonna change my screen name so
1: yes you should be you should be like uh cam better, better right like <laughs> i'll change mine to jerry t it'll be great nice
0: yeah thank <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> I, uh, I played against a KM off stream that bluffs at me on lamentus and I was 100% convinced that that was, that was an impersonation. That was actually that me. That was actually I you. did do that. Um, I want to ask you all the question of how, how, would you, how would you personally fix the current matchmaking system? What, what changes would you, um, would you put forward? Uh, That's what I want KM to answer. How, how would you, you know fix matchmaking thing? for you? For me?
2: Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to.
2: So, so then you have no complaint then?
1: I have a ton of complaints, but I'm pretty sure the best thing for the game is to just let me deal. I'm pretty sure, like, like I, I am such a colossal mismatch in terms of collection level. I mean, I think one thing they could do, actually, here's what they should do. Uh, retroactively take all the bot inflation out of my MMR. See if that does anything. Hmm.
2: Well, okay, so what what kind of player do you think that you should get paired against?
1: There are players who are like, I mean, one thing that will help this is global matchmaking, because then yes. there will just be more people in the player pool. But I would take I like I, I don't even know. I would give up like several series five cards just to have the ability to play people again. Like, mm. I would go back in time on the collection track if that's what it took. Right. Especially like, as a I, content
2: creator, I'm sure.
1: Yes, like I would, I would do a ton of things just to be able to play people again. I don't know what their solution should be. Number one, I do think is removing the bot inflation from my MMR Mm. because, you know, I'm a pretty good player. I don't think I'm good enough to be in this rarefied air. The issue is that it compounds. Once you start seeing one bot, you eight cube one bot, you keep going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And because they affect your MMR, you just sort of get trapped in this gilded palace of cubes. So like.
0: I do it's- think that they should cater to you to an extent. And this is its a small pushback from me, but I do think that if their content creators tend to um, trend towards the higher ranks and they also experience this, so yourself, other streamers, other content creators, I do think that that is in some way actively bad for the game because it's a form of marketing and their marketing is, you know, the top end of the game looks like playing bots. And I, I don't think that's a great look for the game. Do I think they should rework the whole system and maybe affect you know, the average player experience as a result? Maybe not. But what if they just changed it that after infinite, the parameters are a bit different and you're not, you're not matched based off that sort of MMR. Maybe you're matched based off rank or they've taken out the bots from post-infinite rank, you know, gameplay, stuff I like I that. Think,
1: I think like the fundamental issue that I have is that MMR and rank are not the same thing. And so the reason being paired up into someone like me sucks so much ass for people is because, you know, win or lose, it's still just a static number. It's cubes, right? Being paired into me makes those cubes harder to get. It doesn't matter that I'm like giving you a big MMR boost. That doesn't help you. That actually hurts you. Because like th- <laughs> what they've done is they've, they've split it between MMR and rank. And the only thing that actually matters to your matchmaking is MMR. And the only thing that actually matters to you as a human being responding to the number going up on your screen is your cues. So like, that's why people don't want to be paired up into me. That's why people shouldn't be paired up into me because like they've divorced MMR and rank entirely. Rank, rank barely affects your matchmaking. It's literally just like, I think, a parameter, right? Like, it's literally just like, if you are below here, you will not see anyone above here. But other than that, it's purely MMR and like and collection level. And so like, that's the issue. The issue is that you know, you're supposed to want the bots because they're easier. That's bad. That's a bad thing. The issue is that like all cubes are created equal but not all opportunities to earn cubes are created equal
2: and so someone queuing into me is tough yeah mm. I, I i do like the idea of like once you get to infinite or something along those lines like honestly infinite seems kind of easy to me to reach as long as you're able to like put in the time and you just you know sit down and like play a, a good deck, not just like mess around. Uh, and then, so maybe make that ceiling like a little bit higher. And then, yeah, once you're an infinite, you just play against other people in infinite. And It's kind of like, look, we all got here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is a decent enough equalizer rather than, especially just, I don't know, f- forcing people at the top to like play against bots or whatever, when it's, they're either just like straight up cheating or, are giving away eight cubes every time. You know, it's, it's not a good experience either way.
0: Yeah. Jerry, what are your thoughts on the Marvel Snap Card acquisition model? And do you think that releasing powerful cards at Series 5 is, feels bad?
2: When I started the game, it was annoying because I will generally, like, dolphin on any game that I'm actively enjoying. And for card games especially, part of the fun for me is, is having access to everything and being mm-hmm. able to experience, like, all the different things that the game has to offer, right? So, like, when, when I started, it was, like, there's, you know, these, these zoo decks and some move decks and uh, on-reveal decks and, like, all, all these things that I, like, wanted to try and do, but I was, like, always missing a key card, and that was super frustrating. But I eventually came around because when you eventually unlock that card that you were missing, and now you get to do the thing, that was super exciting. And I have, you know, Cam has uh, alluded to me being very old, and that is true. And that sort of like excitement about acquiring. That's not a card. what I
1: alluded to. <laughs> that is not what I I alluded to your great experience as a public
2: figure. Oh uh, yes, experience. You are you have decades of experience. Yeah, I believe he use the word decades. <laughs> <laughs> jesus dude i know i know i know that you're being you're being nice but that's that's all i hear no you're right you're old as shit (laughs) yeah it's true dude i'm pushing 40 it's a lot
1: uh i turned 30 this year it's fucked up
2: (laughs) dude it it's you're you're in the best place ever trust me uh i i have not felt that excited about acquiring a card since like 20 years ago, opening booster packs of magic when there was like no card shop within an hour of me and the internet didn't exist. You know, it's like you don't get that feeling anymore and somehow they found a way to actually capture it. I think that that's incredible. The problem is, (laughs) is that, uh, eventually that wore out as the time between new card acquisition started taking like a week, you know? It's like you wait a week to get your new card and it's M'Baku or whatever, right? <laughs> just like, just s- something that, okay, may- maybe you put in a deck or whatever, but you're not excited about. And... I opened Century. Okay, yep, there you go. Uh, And that that was basically where I took like my first extended break from the game was when I was just kind of like sick of the lag time in between acquiring new stuff. And I know that they've done a couple of things here and there to fix that a little bit, but I I think that the, the premise is solid and then it just like drops off so quickly. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's true for me because I mean, I, I think, I don't think that you were that far behind me cam, but it was like, I, I got into the beta and like day two, I was infinite, you know, it took me yeah. like a day and a half and that was, that was a lot of grinding. Right. But Uh, you know, when when I find something I like, I I go kind of hard. I I have the luxury of having the time to do that sort of stuff, you know? And maybe for for everyone else, like I, I know people who are like higher collection level than me who have not been infinite because they don't have the time. But like they have consistently played since the game is released, right? And maybe that sort of feeling of excitement of like getting a new thing still applies to them, even at like the slow drip, but like just for, for me, it just dropped off super quickly. So I don't know, uh, more, more cards or easier acquisition of things. But if, if it was easier acquisition and there weren't more cards, I would have had all the cards probably like months ago and then maybe would have gotten bored a different way. But maybe that's a problem with like them not having tournaments or not having limited Mm -hmm. or something else going on in the client. So I, I think there are solutions to these things. And I, recognize that i am not the average player and again i think it is very much in their best interest to cater to the average versus the person who's willing to like sit down and just like play their game for 10 hours in a row you know?
0: Mm-hmm. In the current model, what do you think feels more correct? Powerful cards at Series 5 that feel good to buy, or mediocre to average cards that flush out archetypes? So examples of this would be like Dark Hawk Shuri, Kang, maybe in the slightly overpowered. Um, then Noel Sa- Sauron, Titania, just like very good cards. And then Shadow King, Sentry, M'Baku, like the borderline bad cards. What do you think what? that the Series 5... 5- <laughs> no. What do you think Series 5 should be what, uh, of those three categories?
2: The, the interesting thing about like the latter category of cards is that those cards might be good eventually. Eventually, yeah. You know, definitely. like once once there's like more support or there's different sort of synergies that exist. It's just like the card pool is so shallow now, so it's it's kind of weird. But, uh, when when you start out like series one, series two, it feels more like limit poker to me than the no limit. It's like very structured and the ceiling on the things that you're able to do and like the amount of power that you're able to produce is like basically capped, you know? And then once you start getting into maybe like the end of series three, but certainly like some of the series four and five cards, it it just feels like an entirely different game. So I I do like the fact that that sort of, it's not even necessarily like power level, but the the swinginess of it is... Uh, separated because I, th- I think I really do like people like dipping their toes into the water and just like yeah you know put Quicksilver in your deck it's probably fine like uh, <laughs> the, the best thing that you can do at the top end is like Blue Marvel or like Odin or something right like that is that is good for people to kind of get their toes in the water and then you start giving them like the really ridiculous stuff in like series 3, 4, 5 so mm. I, I do like that I do think that uh, there, there could be more glue type of cards, like things that you are just happy to open because it's, it's solid and goes in a lot of decks and they don't really have a lot of that in, in four and five. It is just kind of like all, all outliers. It's just like a card says ongoing on it or, uh, it, it costs four or whatever, you know, it's like, they all have some specific thing that like puts them in like one or two decks and that's kind of it. There's no ubiquity to, Cards at the top end, and I I guess I would like to see that change a little bit, but it's also still relatively new, you know. Like, how many four and five cards exist, right? Mm. 20, you know, we got a long ways to go. I think
1: the issue is they just need to stop putting. I I, I don't know, I would love if they just tried, like, okay, uh, for this season, we're gonna put one card in a series five and three cards in a series four. Is that that hard? Like, I, I just, I just don't know. If you don't think your designs are that, I don't know. Like what master mold is 6,000 tokens. Yeah. Negasonic teenage warhead. Really cool. But is that a card that people are going to get excited about the same way they got excited about Kang? It, and it's like, if people aren't going to get that excited about it, why are we starting it? Like by starting it at that higher price point, all you're doing is guaranteeing that nobody plays it. They wait on yeah. month. I, I don't know.
0: Know. It's that they wait a yeah. month. I, it leads into my follow-up question, which is how would you fix the system while not hurting Second Dinner's bottom line too much? If you think that this system actually contributes to a healthy bottom line for them, like putting these cards at Series 5, making them so prohibitively expensive, is that overall netting them more money than if they put them at Series 4 and maybe encourage you know a larger player base to actually engage with um, trying to acquire those cards fast?
2: I think it's hard to say because they, they tried to do like the whole gotcha banner thing, and that didn't work out well for them but i think that was going to be a pretty big part of their plan for uh you know their their bottom line right so then okay we we had to scrap that kind of overnight did not expect that right because they they were leaning into it and how are they adjusting to that like what's their new plan i i don't necessarily know that they figured that out yet it's just like well we have these designs in the file we have these things coded they've been tested we know that these cards are fine we were going to put them on banners or whatever, but now that we can't do that, how do we release these cards? And I think they're just doing this until they, they think of something better potentially, but I don't know. I mean, like they, they can't, they can't all be winners, right? It's like, you can't just make Mm -hmm. like a Thanos or a Galactus every week. That's too much. Like some of the cards have to be kind of medium. I agree that they could start in series four, right? It's like, they could be three K instead of six or even less.
1: Like when you look at when you look at like the designs, I think it's not very hard to tell which designs not necessarily are good, but are cool, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know how good Kang actually is, but I know I'd start him in series five. But you look at like the other cards that came out this season, and it's like what? You had to start Ghost in series five? Yeah. <laughs> you had to do that. That was like the most critical thing. It was you had you needed that. And I think that would also create, like, interesting dynamics with tokens, right? Because now it's like, you know, you could actually get multiple of these new cards and try them out. Or you could save up for, like, the really big, cool one. There are, like, things to do there. And I I gotta imagine, I cannot imagine that there are that many people buying Ghost for 6,000.
2: Like, there are only so many streamers out there. Right. And I, I, I did play against one Ghost, and I assume it was a bot. (laughs) So (laughs) for, for whatever that is worth, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't help but wonder that despite them for a brief moment, being able to capture the, the nostalgia of like opening a, a new card and having it be exciting that like how successful would this game have been if it was just the game that it is, the IP that it is, the car designs as as they are, but just with like a kind of normal TCG or CCG hmm. yeah. acquisition so, like, model.
1: Million like, dollar question. It, right had, there. It, just, it was just Hearthstone. Yeah. Right. They just literally ripped Hearthstone's acquisition model. Like I think here's the thing. I, I think a lot about the gotcha banners thing, because I think they thought they were onto a an absolute like to quote Frank Reynolds, Danny DeVito, a goddamn gold mine they had this great gameplay. Have you ever actually, like, you play a bunch of, you played a ton of gotcha games. You know how shitty the gameplay is in some of those, right? Like,
2: yeah, I, I play a lot of gotcha games and those those things are predatory as hell and <laughs> they are predatory because they make a lot of money. So yeah. yes, if, if I were second dinner and I was like, we're going to put gotcha banners in our game, I also would have been excited as hell. However, I would have like, you know, Focus group tested that a little bit more, to price, that, a bit
1: lower than they did. But like the point yeah, is, like yeah. when you think about the original concept of the game, right? Like you're unlocking all these heroes. They have unique and cool abilities. It does sort of lend itself to a gotcha format, right? Like I think what they thought they were doing when they made this game was fusing card game gameplay, really good card game gameplay, with gotcha. That's what I think they thought they were doing. Yeah. And now that the gotcha banners got thrown out, they are scrambling. They do not right. know what the point of their monetization model is now, right? And if they're not going to do gotcha, you know, if that's out the window, maybe, maybe, maybe just scrap the model a little bit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe if the fundamental thing you thought you were doing is not the thing you're doing anymore, you need to reevaluate the other fundamental things that went along with it. Would be my thought.
2: Yeah, but it's it's hard to unring that bell, man. You know, uh. If they did gotcha banners, but it was maybe like half as expensive as it was before, like I'd be in, dude. I mean, I've I've bought battle passes and I bought the the waifu Sarah Angela thing, because obviously oh, yeah. and oh. that's about it. Right. But like if they if they did banners and they were reasonable, I'd be in, man. Like I'd have all the cards. I. And yeah. If if I had all the cards, if I had, like, Thanos and Galactus, it's just like, et, you know, every one of those cards is me playing for at least, like, two weeks pretty solid, mm-hmm. right? As I just, like, explore all the different possibilities and everything. Yeah. So, they, they would have had me for sure if they were remotely reasonable instead
0: of what they ended up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one of my biggest critiques is that, <clears throat> like, they put out this... I don't know, they put up this philosophy that card gamers kind of enjoy having unique collections. And I think that that does exist to an extent. But I think, you know, most people who put time into this game really just want all the options so that they can deck build and play with all the cards that are available. And I don't think it's a good... It's I think it's a pretty feels-bad scenario when you play against a card. You're, you play against a card, your opponent has a card that you don't have access to, and you don't really have a hope of getting access to for a long time. Um, and I think it's a shame, right? Uh, I think that that's like... I don't know. I do want to ask you though, Jerry, as someone with decades of experience, what do you think is the decades? Decades. What do you think is the biggest threat to Marvel Snap's longevity in future?
2: Uh it is probably the the card acquisition model because people will either view it as unfriendly or uh just too slow. And I think that they'll they'll just give up if they play for like weeks and weeks and don't get anything new that excites them and i am like super try hard super invested in the things that i love and i do love this game i love uh just like you know the actual system that it is designed on i think it's brilliant absolutely brilliant and i i've still taken like month breaks from the game which is kind of unlike me especially for a thing that i love you know like once i'm in i'm all in mm-hmm. uh so they Definitely need to figure that out, but like, I, I don't know what's going on internally over there. Like, obviously, this is a thing that they are working on, and I think that they, they banked on the banner stuff, they had to scrap it, and I, I don't know what they're gonna come up with next or whatever. But like, clearly, they know it's a thing. Like, to, to what you were saying, Brendan, about you know, you, you play against someone who has a card that you don't have access to, it's really frustrating. They know that that is a problem because of how they handled stuff like Killmonger.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think going through pool one again has made me really appreciate just how different the game is without Killmonger Shang-Chi in it. Like it is a completely and entirely different game. And I also do think I need to give them kudos for putting in in pool one. Very smart decision because Iron Man exists.
2: Yeah, Iron Man and like Dino too. Yeah,
1: yeah. Dino exists. Iron Man exists. A lot of the strongest things you can be doing in uh, pool one are things that like Enchantress needs to be around to counteract. And then we get into Killmonger and Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah.
2: On- the the other thing that might be a threat, although I think that this is maybe less likely given the IP power that they have backing them, is just you know what happens when like the Marvel Snap clone comes out with a better acquisition model and. It, it's it's really hard to be first to market, especially for like a brand new genre mm-hmm. and I don't know you just look at things like auto chess or whatever
0: or uh yeah, I mean uh, it's coming, you're right, like it is one hundred percent coming like I think as soon as Marvel snap had an inkling of success, like there are studios, there are groups of people that are that are cloning that as we speak I mean I the mean, game is like they'd be they'd be idiots, not to absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah so but it's it's a
1: game and the the core gameplay loop is incredible
0: yeah it it's 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 a hundred percent coming. So, Jerry, this is a question that I'm kind of obsessed with. And it's that do you think that short-term uh like short form card games or short form games are the future of card games? So these condensed turns, less than 10 minutes, um, you know, kind of simple card design that's visually explanatory, simultaneous turns, no really waiting on your opponent. Like I look back to a, a game that I play a lot, which is Flesh and Blood, or I look back to Magic the Gathering, and you have these sort of long drawn-out, sometimes you know, up to one hour experiences. Do you think that that is going to become archaic and outdated and that these short form games are the future? I don't think it's going to become
2: outdated entirely because look at like the the board game resurgence over the last five or 10 years or whatever, right? I think that as the internet was taking off, like board games kind of like fell out of favor. It's it's really tough to get, you know, four or five, six people together Uh, on the regular stuff like D and D campaigns or whatever too. But it's like people have kind of recognized that that experience is good. It is worth having and it is worth making the time for and planning for because it is important, but it is definitely not going to be the default. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, going to a magic tournament every week was like, I, I love magic too. And I, I just, don't have the time or the patience for that necessarily to sit down and play a tournament for like 10 hours or whatever. So the, the short term gaming stuff, as far as like the thing that is happening on your phone or like when you have spare time, I think is absolutely brilliant. And there is going to be a time and a place for those, those longer, like maybe more often in person experiences, because I think that those are important to people, but when you just want, like, a quick game, a quick hit of dopamine or whatever, Snap does so much of it so well because of all the things that you mentioned. Like, the fact that it is very quick, like, you know that you have five minutes, time for a quick game, you know, mm-hmm. test out your new deck. And uh, simultaneous turns, I th- I think, is just also genius. Like, yeah. I-, I was skeptical because I didn't, I couldn't fathom the implementation of it, you know. but the way their game is designed and everything it just it just makes sense it it just makes everything like so much smoother and so much better and even even if there aren't direct snap clones in the pipeline i would imagine that there are going to be companies that are looking to do something along those lines just because of i think how how well it works out
0: yeah so so it's a great and, utilization of the digital medium, I think, is the, is the simultaneous turn. I don't think that there's a yeah. lot of reasons to be waiting on your opponent to play out their turn if you're able to, you know, utilize digital, right? In paper, it makes a bit more sense. But, you know, I look back at something like Hearthstone and I'm just like, that feels archaic now, now that I've played Marvel Snap. It really does. Yeah, oh Yeah, and Magic's years? even worse, too, because it's like,
2: you know, you wait for them to do a thing, but then you have priority again. Hearthstone at least is like, all right, I'm going to do something for a minute. Yeah. While my opponent does their turn, right? But like, magic is like every ten seconds, it's it's back on you again. It's just like, I I can't I can't do this while I'm multitasking. You know?
1: How many years before the magic answer to Marvel Snap comes out?
2: I mean, given their track record, I would say that even if it does, it's not going to be good.
1: That's not no. That wasn't the question. I want to see how how many years. Like 2025.
2: My point is that it's even if it does come out, it doesn't matter because it'll be dead in six to 12 months and you'll forget that it even existed. So, right no, (laughs) I'm
1: very clearly referencing what what was the magic the Hearthstone clone?
0: Uh, Spell Slingers, Spell Slingers is a mobile game. I haven't played it, but it's a magic based. It's
1: like it's like magic, but it's Hearthstone. It's fairly like pretty, pretty fun, pretty cool. I haven't tried it, but like it's like magic, but it's Hearthstone, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I. uh, I have uh, some inside track knowledge on Spell Slingers. Like, I was uh, almost going to go back to work for Wizards to work on that game. So, like, I kind of knew what it was from day one, which was, like, five years ago. It, It took that game, like, a long time to release, and there were a lot of things that upset, like, the development timeline for it and everything. Like, that's why it took so long, but, like, clearly they are aware that mobile gaming and specifically like not actual magic. The gathering stuff is a profitable place to be. And they do want to capitalize on it. Like they, they even made like a clash Royale clone that
0: (laughs) I did not realize that they did uh, that. It didn't last long. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. Blizzard's Um, doing it as well. Now they just, I I just saw it on the battle.net launcher actually the other day, randomly, but a total clone. Yeah. Is there a magic auto battler?
2: Uh, I mean, not yet, but like they're, there should be be, right right? like magic's ip is also it's it's great in that it lends itself to just doing all
0: these things like the magic mmo oh yeah oh my god yeah like magic's ip is so that came out for five seconds yeah the you're talking about the diablo s game the uh yeah yeah, yes what was that called oh my god yeah that was see
2: again (laughs) it doesn't matter it it came (laughs) it went they blew it uh anyway i i think Maybe, maybe two years, two years from now. So like, you know, two and a half years from like snaps release. I think Mm -hmm. that all, all it takes is like one person saying like, yes, do this. Right. But like, it's also entirely possible that it could take a little bit longer to get those wheels in motion. Depends like how much bandwidth random people have and what things that they're working on, how many things they're working on, how much resources they're actually like devoting to spell slingers. But it's like maybe spell slingers shutters entirely and that team goes to work on like snap clone or something like
1: the real thing is they could really knock the marketing for that out of the park at least to invested players like hey you love magic but you hate blue no more counter spells yeah
2: yeah (laughs) i mean there's There's no counter spell to be fair they could have done that with spell slingers but that game launched to zero fanfare like they they just didn't advertise for it at all I mean like that's
1: because they were launching like a hearthstone-ish game in like we launched like roughly concurrently with Snap, right? Or at least the Snap beta. Uh
2: I I think there's someone. It was was yeah, around the same time probably. Maybe
1: a little bit. Because it's like 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 that that seems like, you know, just like, you know that's just tough
2: to do, I think. Sure, but like if they had planned on marketing stuff, it's not like they just cut it, right? And if they decided to not market it because they knew Snap was coming out like that. They couldn't have known that, right? It's just like
1: Magic specifically. I feel like could actually pull this, like, it, <laughs> other than the track record that WotC has with making anything Magic related profitable, other than the game Magic: The Gathering.
2: Yeah, I honestly, in theory they could. off. in theory they could,
1: but <laughs> like I they don't. It's, it's there.
2: They are. Uh, They're excellent at making money. Excellent at making Magic: The Gathering, the paper version, and. Yeah sadly kind of you know falter at at doing other things and i wish that was not the case because with like all the games i play could, could very easily be magic related
0: variants and i'd be pretty happy about oh, that oh yeah hmm. oh yeah jerry how would you design a limited or draft version of marvel snap would you go similar to the route of Hearthstone arena or would you try to get something closer to a draft experience like magic gathering with like a pod and a shared pool
2: Ask me that again after I ask you this. I want to ask you a question real quick. Do you think that Flesh and Blood Limited is better or worse having copied Magic's draft model?
0: I think that Flesh and Blood Limited is better than Magic's draft model, mostly on the axis of balance and player agency. Um, There's just one thing I don't like about... I, I just... I've never been... I When I first started playing Magic, I loved Limited. And then as I started to play the game more, I think I liked it less. Uh, but that could be a player skill issue on my end. But Flesh and Blood Limited just feels... I don't know, it feels pretty good. It There's the hero-centric model and the f- being in lanes is... It works really well, but then it also sometimes breaks. Uh, so like the recent set, Uprising, there was 14 card packs, which is less than usual. There was three heroes. And it turned out that in that set, you were, you were on rails after like pick five. So basically right. the wheel didn't matter at all. That sucked. Um, <laughs> it sucked a lot. In you know some past sets like Tales of Aria, there were, there were legit archetypes in the hero. So you could build a hero like a go wide version of the hero or a go tall version. Um, it had a lot more nuance to gameplay. And especially, you know, Flesh and Blood has pre-boarding, so being able to pre-board correctly to predict what your opponent's going to do. And that was a really, really good draft experience and limited experience in Flesh and Blood. Um, Uprising was not that. Uprising was like, you are either playing the ninja hero, and it plays this way. Mm-hmm. The illusionist hero, it plays this way. Or the wizard hero, and it plays this way. It's historically, though, probably the most disliked uh, limited <laughs> limited um, set of the... Of, Ever, right? So I wouldn't say yeah. recent history ever. Um, so Over that's where <laughs> we're coming the, off the back of. But I do like, um, I do like Flesh and Blood. I, I do like the, the limited.
2: Yeah. I, so I think the, the game engine for that is very well set up to do a limited format. I'm, I'm just mostly speaking to like three booster packs of, you know, 15 or so cards passed around the table between eight players. Like, do you think that there is potentially a better model for that, especially one that could like cater to fab
0: in flesh and blood? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, other than at least an uprising, I would have done four packs instead of three.
1: So like you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, for example, like if there was some magical way of doing Hearthstone arena, but in real life, yeah, you wouldn't think that would be better.
0: No, I like the I like the push and pull tension of drafting against the other players in the pod of predicting the wheel, understanding the wheel, um, kind of staying in my lane and being rewarded for that. I think that's I think drafting is a is a game in and of itself, and I think that it adds a lot of depth to limited.
2: But what about uh I don't know, uh six player pods with 10 card booster packs, mm. you know, like there are a lot of knobs to turn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yep, yep. Fab, Fab is not Magic. There are dramatically different games, yet Fab basically just took Magic's model, which, you know, maybe maybe they tried a bunch of do- different stuff and, like, eventually settled on that or whatever. But, like, this is one of the things that I, I bring up to Brian a lot is that, like, I, I don't think that this is necessarily the best way to, to utilize, uh, like, the game engine that you have you know for for playing limited and because he he talks to me all the time about like the different problems with all the sets like uprising for sure and it's just like yeah a lot of these problems are stemming from the fact that like you're using magic's model i don't know what the best solution to that would be Mm -hmm. but i i do think that it just means that this is not the one
1: yeah it's actually really interesting because like all the things you mentioned like you didn't mention anything specific to fab right like what you said brendan was i like you know that the wheel matters i like that i'm rewarded for staying in my lane those are those are just that's just draft i think it's it fa- not draft- actually the format that's not You're actually right. like the game it's not unique like that that you get that in magic too
0: it's so the like ga- i guess it's the game me, play, is right. there is
1: a unique thing
0: yeah is the is the drafting experience alone different or does it feel better than magic i would say oh, i don't think so i think it's it's Pretty similar and arguably in some cases worse, like in Uprising, I think that that was a perfect example of how the flesh and blood hero system in a drafting model with eight players and 14 card packs just doesn't work and it sucks. So yeah, it's it's you're right, Cam, that the way I answered that question, I was kind of alluding to the gameplay after the, after the drafting, right? And enjoying that. But it's really interesting when you talk no, about but, tweaking. Sorry, I just want to clarify. What I was saying was
1: that the, the what you were alluding to was things that are good about limited formats, mm-hmm. things that are good about a draft format, rather than is this draft format right for this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, it, like you didn't say anything specific to like why it was good for Flesh and Blood to have this kind of format. What you said was, you know, I enjoy draft formats, basically. Yeah, you're
0: right. Jerry, it's interesting when you say when you talk about tweaking the knobs um, because it it does look like yeah I mean Fab Fab is sort of the carbon copy of Magic and I do I now wonder like would six man pods be better for man you know there's so many different variables that they could have tweaked to try to optimize that experience Um, and yeah I just I don't know to be honest I don't know if it would be better yeah so
2: that that's kind of the question you're asking me where. I am if you give me multiple choice, I could probably tell you which one is best. But mm-hmm. when you're like, if you were designing a limited format for Snap, uh, you know, from scratch with uh, no parameters locked in or whatever, what would I do? Like creating something from scratch is really hard for me. Like what I can do is look at the different things that I have experienced and pull from those and, you know, maybe decide which one is better or whatever. So I'll give you multiple choice. Okay.
1: Okay uh a is hearthstone arena uh b is uh did you ever play Runeterra? their limited format was expeditions yeah. you get like yeah. buckets of cards
2: yep uh something I,
1: like that i kind of hated that you...
2: for for different okay. reasons that wouldn't apply to snap but
1: i would think it would be like something like that and then you cut down would be an interesting way to do a limited format because snap is already like a really fast limited format so like literally just five packages, cut down, make a deck. You have a fast draft in a fast game would be one thought process there. So instead of spending more time picking your cards than you would playing the game, you do that. And then uh, that would be option B. Option C would be literally just draft Mm. in a pod. And option D would be draft with bots like on Arena.
2: So drafting in a pod is kind of silly because maybe this can be different because it's a different experience or whatever, but like part of what makes the game so great is the, the synchronous turns and everything and like not having to wait for people. And then to just like inject that experience into the client would be kind of weird to me, but maybe, you know, the fact that it's, it's limited or whatever you can put up with some of that, but it's also weird because of like their matchmaking stuff and you know, it's like, say you sit in a draft queue, how many people are in the queue? It's, it's only a 12 card deck, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're drafting more than 12 cards because you're going to cut some stuff or whatever. But like, either way, you're waiting for people. And then what is determining like who is in your pod? Like, are you at rank 400 able to draft with someone who is rank one or is MMR affecting that somewhat? And then if it is still limited by like the matchmaking servers, it's not global, you know, like basically, how long are you going to have to wait to join a pod or whatever, or mm-hmm. should it be instantaneous? I think, still striving to be as quick as possible. Uh it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be like the be all end all thing, but I, I definitely do think that that is something they should strive for. And in that case, I think something like Hearthstone Arena probably makes more sense. And it was interesting to me that Hearthstone Arena put like bad cards, like "bad" quote unquote bad cards into. They're their pools, and then you couldn't cut anything, but that was a conscious choice on their part, where it was just like, no, you finish the draft, and then those are, that's your deck, and you go, right? So there's something there with whether or not you actually spend time deck building as well after the draft, or you just the cards that you drafted are your deck, right? So I would, I would just do Arena, choose, choose one of three, Probably something would have to go into that as far as what cards show up with which cards, you know. Um, I don't know how they would determine that necessarily, but I think Hearthstone did it in a pretty good way where it's like, well, you, you start off with the legendary and then like build around that kind of thing.
1: Um, I so That's actually interesting to me. I honestly, I think my worry with that format was just, damn, it kind of takes a while. Like if you have like a minute to think on all those cards, it's like 12 minutes of just picking cards. That's but, that's a long ass time to spend for, I'm guessing, three or four games of Warful Snap.
2: Yeah. So but, uh, s- similarly to Runeterra, Shadowverse does it where they show you uh, two things of two. Mm-hmm. And you, you pick one, one of those piles. And I, th- I think that that was meant to speed it up because I believe they're 40-card decks, but also all of their cards are, like, quadruple-sided. So it just, like, took forever anyway because you had to read all the shit. Um, but, yeah, do- doing it in piles, too, I think would also just be fine. You know, you just have to actually figure out how those piles, you know, show up with each other, right? Because it's like, yeah. you don't want, like, Apocalypse and iron fist in the same pile or whatever it's just like wolf.: well,
1: right it'd be yeah. like but like you also like you know imagining a pile of thanos Quinjet and limited <laughs> oh that sounds great <laughs>
0: well, like, didn't yeah, play, i don't I I play expeditions is it similar to did you ever play hearthstone duels where they had the buckets
1: i never played duels but it is buckets okay. it's uh you it was 40 card decks and you'd get like packages of cards that you'd pick and add to your deck Mm-hmm. and so like that that model actually seems really appealing to me in snap because you know okay 12 cards in a deck do two you you pick two cards each time suddenly that's six uh picks there's six turns in a game boom done great you nailed it the, the draft now takes as long as a game you jump right into the game done
2: right yeah. and i think that that system is good then you get to like actually testing it and trying to figure out whether or not that's like a good environment and whether or not people have fun with it or whatever. And you, you can iterate from there, but I think starting from there would be a a great place.
1: Because like, yeah, McMarvel Snap I don't think it's designed for like limited gameplay in that sense. It's designed to be a deck builder, right? Like it's, it lends itself to it, but like, it's possible. The gameplay itself just isn't very fun. Who knows? Yeah.
0: do you think that they would do a ranked system or do you think that they would just do pay to play with sort of like if you make x wins maybe you get a variant i mean so they have a plethora of variants to sort of reward you with i think
2: ranking would be good um there are definitely limited modes on arena that are like not ranked which mm-hmm. is confusing uh, i just like don't understand it uh it's like it's i guess like the the sealed stuff is like not ranked it's so like, well, I feel I would like I'm playing for a nothing.
1: ranked sealed queue. Oh, my God. I want to play sealed in Marvel snap so bad. Yeah, I think sure. that's awesome. Like
2: sealed sealed would also be fine. You know, it's like basically what I would want from limited is to capture some of the randomness aspect that you get from some of the locations and some of the cards, but just sort of like on an opt in basis. Instead of like, well, I sat down to test my Thanos deck and then got weird world and this this blows, right? But like, you know, maybe you're tired of your decks. You're you're waiting to grind up to get your next card and see what that is. I want something different to do. Like, let's let's do draft or sealed or something. And then also for people with like lower collection levels, you probably get the experience of like playing with some of the cards that you don't have in your collection, right?
1: I remember yeah. how awesome it was the first time we got a District X. Uh, do you remember this game, Jerry? I have a very vivid memory of this it.
2: This is the Mr. Negative Hobgoblin. Yes.
1: Yes, this is the Mr. Negative was, Hobgoblin. Dude,
2: I remember this. I, I like <laughs> lost my mind for a minute where I was just like, I don't know what any of these cards do and <laughs> what the hell just happened. And then I was watching you stream the other day and you brought it up and I was like, dude, I'm surprised you remember that. It was so cool. Like, this is why this is like, I remember I'm playing through on a Smurf right now. Right. I have. So I'm
1: excited when I get like a random pool three card off of the hub. Right. Right. Like, I'm yeah, excited yeah. when I get like Kingpin or whatever. <laughs> like, it's super cool. So there's like this, 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 this. I still remember that Mr. Negative Hobgoblin. What happened was we had a lockjaw. Uh, we put a Mr. Negative in the lockjaw and then it pulled a Hobgoblin and gave our opponent eight power. It was very stupid. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even
2: think it was that, though, man. There was, like, something to do with the location, too, because, like, I didn't own any of those three cards.
1: Yeah, no, that was after a uh, the card that replaces your deck with random cards. Yeah, district decks, lo- right? right. So, yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was like, like, oh, we well, now decks I draw into that, a lockjaw
2: or something that was not in my deck, and then I play a yes. random thing into it. Yeah, and just like the weirdest. And shit
1: then it, it ended up, it ended up spewing out Mister Negative and Hobgoblin in that order, so to give our opponent eight, eight power.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, that is the type of cool experience where exactly I I definitely had an emotional reaction to it, and you still remember it. It wasn't even your game, dude. Yes. You weren't even playing the awesome. game.
1: It was awesome. It was so cool. It's the first time I'd seen that. Yeah, and like that is the kind of thing that you would want to recreate. One of the things I see a lot is creators who are nostalgic for the Pool 1 experience. Creators who miss when there was still more to discover in this game. Now granted, a lot of that is because we're really sick of playing Thanos. But like (laughs) people who miss when it was like, oh my god, there's so much to learn. And Draft can give you that. And that's why I really wanted the game. Right. Not not drafted, certainly limited.
0: Limited. Yeah.
1: I agree. Because like a lot of a lot of what people love about early Marvel Snap is effectively things they would love about limited gameplay, too.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that because it it didn't feel necessarily like playing constructed to me. No. You know?
1: You worked with what you had. It yeah. felt like limited. And there was like deck building constraints. It's a really like the the early game is really fun in Marvel Snap. And I think that's a lot of why it's successful. And I think it would be nice if they could recreate that experience for enfranchised players without having to start a Smurf account.
0: I think so, at the very least it would be unique. It would be a unique experience. Like I mean, that's the idea. Is like your deck is unique and there's a bit of variance to it where if you go on ladder, you're kind of playing sometimes the same thing every single game, it feels like. And I think yeah. that you know limited is very refreshing to that experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I was I was gonna suggest something along the lines of like an adventure campaign or whatever, but like the way they have their ladder set up is effectively that, where it's like you you play games, you progress a little bit, maybe you upgrade your deck, you know. It, it is it is basically that, just like very slowly moving. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe like a faster one, <laughs> maybe like one that comes out monthly on the battle pass or something.
2: Like th- think think about something like this too. Maybe maybe this is silly, but it's like some sort of like weirdo constructed format or even limited format where like you pick what one of the locations is going to be.
0: Huh.
1: That's really interesting. I. I would immediately just start picking district decks every single time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe, maybe they ban some of the locations or whatever. Like they just don't show up in the pool or something. Or maybe You draft a location or whatever. I don't know. But like that's, that's another thing that they could do where, I mean, for the feature location stuff, that's kind of what you're doing anyway. It's like this thing shows up, what, 40, 50% of the time and you just kind of like build a deck to exploit that or whatever. It's like you're sort of already doing that. That is interesting. But they they have a lot of knobs to work with, a lot of things that they can try. Certainly, more than one potential experience available to them as mm-hmm. far as just non ladder play or non you know battle challenge mode, whatever it's called. Uh, they they could just do like a lot of fun stuff with how their game is set up too. So I, I definitely look forward to that stuff happening, and I hope it's not as bad as the Gotcha Band. <laughs> yeah. Me too. And I think
1: one it of the... Costs one 5,000 gold to start a giraffe. <laughs> oh,
0: God. One of the good things about second dinner is they seem to work fast. Um, all right, Jerry. Well, we're running a bit long here, so really appreciate you coming on. Cam, do you have any closing questions before Jerry plugs, uh, plugs what he's up to and where you can find him?
1: Yeah, actually. I've got one. So I guess my question is... I, I, I said, like, probably an hour ago that we'd get to this later. <laughs> what would Marvel Snap have to do to get you sucked back in the way that you were? Was it novelty? Was it, is, was it the, the card acquisition? What would they have to do? It just, 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 if it's not possible, it was just the novelty of the new game hanging out with cool people like me you know if that if that's all it was i get it but like if there are things they could have done what would those things be
2: it is mostly making me feel like i have things to do and some of that is clearing quests or exploring new archetypes or unlocking cards or whatever and i'm just at a point where that stuff happens at such a slow trickle and i can't even like Wail my way out of it you know it's like you can't really wail for progress all mm. that much so for content yeah. yeah what what's the point right and yeah just uh, c- content in general would do it right it's like if if there was a limited format i i would play it until the point where i felt like i was among the best in the world or whatever and then i would maybe be content with that and go back to playing my other stuff or maybe then they'd Drop some new content on me, and then I move on to that, whatever, but like i I like what they have going. I like the engine. it's just like I just don't feel like I have anything to do, and there's nothing th- nothing I can really do to fix it, um even if yeah. I wanted to just like outright buy Thanos or Galactus, I can't necessarily do that, so i I guess I just do my dailies and like slowly work towards that stuff. but like before it was just i'm I'm gonna play a bunch and try a bunch of new decks and try and optimize these things as best I can and was acquiring new cards at a fast enough clip that I felt like I could do that and generally had stuff to do. And now I'm I'm just bored, man. I just got nothing left to do. I'd rather just like watch you play basically than play myself. Thank you. What about tournaments? I love juicing uh,
0: my own numbers with that. Yeah. What about tournaments like arena opens that are native in the client?
2: Yeah, those would be great, too. I would play in those. Absolutely. And then that would probably lead to me testing a little bit more, too. But then the possibility of, like, frustration could come up where it's like, you know, right now we're talking about Thanos is the best deck and KM's DMing me like, hey, man, you got anything that beats Thanos? And it's just like, dude, I don't even have Thanos. I did try that. The answer is he he said no. Yeah, I've I've played against Thanos like three times or something. Yeah, it's just. I don't know.
1: For the record, I do think there is something out there that beats Thanos. Uh, I just didn't get to it.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it, I I would definitely want to play in tournaments. That is definitely something that would scratch an itch for me. I would love that, especially if there were cool rewards. It wasn't just like turn your 50 credits into a hundred credits or whatever, you know? Uh. But, it is, yeah, it is possible that if it was just, like, open uh, to everything, like, all the cards are legal, there's just, like, well, this is, like, frustrating and annoying. Part of it depends on what the tournament format is. I, I kind of don't like the cube mechanic in general. Um, mostly, I just feel like the games are way more fun when it actually just goes to showdown. And especially for the challenge mode type of thing, like, you're really disincentivized to have that happen and it's just like not very fun and i think for a coverage perspective when things eventually get to that point it'll not end up being great also but i i will at least dip my toes in and see how it goes uh things that might really excite me are tournaments that are like capped at series two or capped at series i'd be in for them
1: we're back on limited gameplay then
2: kind of yeah but like it, it also
0: mostly like evens the playing field yeah. I and mean, we've talked about that a lot on the pod actually is that like if there was to be a more robust tournament it seems it seems almost almost obligatory that they that they don't allow series 4 and series 5 because it's just so prohibitive and it's not it's not in a fun way. It's it's in a bad way.
2: Right. Yeah. And there's there's always something, right? It's like either the battle pass cards where it's, you know, effectively pay to win or whatever, pay to play. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff like uh Darkhawk Thanos, Galactus, or whatever in series five, where it's like if you don't have access to archetypes that contain those cards, you just feel like you're at such a big disadvantage, you know. So
1: yeah, we're like we're on like how how many months running at this? It's like the second month consecutive of just like you have to have this expensive ass card, or you're gonna get run over by this expensive ass card.
2: Yeah, it's not great. So not great. Magic has different formats right like it is much easier for new players to jump into a game of standard or whatever than a game of vintage mm-hmm. right and i think that snap has ways of differentiating between those things by like putting the cards into buckets so they could certainly take advantage of that if they wanted to and you know it, they don't necessarily have to like exclude one portion of the player base right if like they only did exclusively like series two tournaments. That would probably feel bad for a lot of the people who have been playing since uh, global release or playing even since the beta or whatever, right? But like they could run both. There's no reason why they can't.
0: Yeah. That's the thing about these, like these multi format tournaments or segregating the community base is that, like they, they can both exist at the same time. At least when when it's like tournaments. I think that if you're segmenting ladder based on that, that's when those problems arise of like your, your player base gets split. But if it's tournaments, like you can absolutely have a tournament that is open, card pool, everything. And then you can have a tournament that's locked at series three. And I think they, they both have their advantages, but in Marvel Snaps <laughs> card acquisition model, I mean, the series three is, that's where you want to be if you're going to play the game competitively. You don't want to be in a play where it's, you know, you have to have wailed thousands of dollars to be at the, at the peak, right? That's right. not fun for anybody, even for the people that are abusing it. I know it's fun while you're winning, but it's not fun because eventually people won't stop playing and it's not fair at all.
2: Yeah, and then we also get to find out the answer as to whether or not KM is actually good at the game <laughs> <laughs> if just you cap it at it Series 3 or if he's just bullying people with Galactus on ladder, which I heard. I'm not, he even, I'm
1: not even good at the game if you don't cap it at Series 3. Uh <laughs> I, I am. I am actual ass. No, I, I, I am very annoyed whenever like luckily everyone I play against has Thanos at this point. So the very few people I do play, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're playing something reasonable, right? And I'm yeah, doing a ton no, of contents good. in battle mode, right? So mm. all, all the stuff I do in battle mode is just like just running infinite decks into the Thanos wall. So like, it's not like I ever don't do that. But yeah,
0: yeah. battle mode is a huge saving grace, I think, to the current era that we're in um i think it was awesome uh, for
1: someone like me i mean like it's not great for my numbers but it's also the only way i can actually reasonably have an opinion on anything because otherwise i'm just farming robots the i don't know time. how you I don't lose your mind nothing. farming
0: robots too <laughs> to be honest if you're farming I, robots farming i'll be honest
1: I, I really admire the other people who do that shit the people who push the rank because like i i have basically not done it i'm like rank 350 right now I have basically not done much robot farming this season outside of like for the last two weeks, I've basically just been finishing my dailies.
2: 350 is still a lot ridiculous. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. I I got
1: that. But like there are people there's there's uh, an account that's that's two dudes that they're at a thousand. There's a guy who's at like 700 and it's like, I, I can't even like my hat is off to simply the dedication because yeah, for sure. doing something like that, I think would drive me insane.
0: i think it's it's like effectively like a sudoku game on your phone like just I guess it is a a little bit like yeah 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 Yeah. awesome well again jerry awesome conversation really appreciate having you on um where can people find you and what are you up to these days oh
2: just petting cats i don't
0: know
2: i've seen it the
0: the video i just want to let people know because the video we didn't have it this week but i've seen your cat do Many acrobatics behind oh, you. Oh
2: yeah, no, I have I have three cats running around. Um, I only saw two. Interesting. There's the third. Oh. oh, there it
0: is.
2: And she was chilling on my lap for a little bit too. I wanted to like get up and adjust the camera, but I couldn't without spooking her. Um, Reasonable.
1: Priorities.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter, not tweeting a lot at G3RRYT playing a bunch of predatory mobile gotcha games (laughs) doing some magic, the gathering content for those who still consume that sort of thing. Uh, I, I probably would have gone to SCG Charlotte if I remembered it was this weekend, actually, because I'm like kind of itching to get back out and play and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if snap wants to start doing some tournament stuff, like, um, I'm in that, in that zone at the moment where I just want to beat up on some people, you know? Did, uh,
1: I, I'll let you know if any more invitationals come up. I don't think people know that you're an option for those.
2: Well, I I don't I don't know about playing in those. I so like I never did Hearthstone stuff because I I don't want to go through like Battle Fi and like Discord and what. Just like do it in the client. it's uh, not, okay. it's not that gotcha. hard. I don't want to talk to humans. I just want to play against people.
1: You know. <laughs> I don't want humans. I want victims. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Outstanding. That's the final word from Jerry Thompson on on this podcast. No, for real, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thank you so much for everything you've done to help me become a better human being and a marginally better card player.
2: You're Uh, doing great, man.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And uh, for those, he won't plug himself uh, readily enough, but Jerry's podcast uh, Arena Decklist with Brian Gottlieb is... Fantastic! If you are interested in Magic the Gathering, he is an all-time Magic the Gathering legend and absolutely worth hearing out on things like that. Although he, at this point, would probably rather talk to you about Genshin Impact.
2: I haven't opened Genshin in a year.
0: No shit! Didn't even yeah. play their card game, huh? No, yeah, it's weird,
2: right?
1: Yeah, we spent so much time on that game. Like, like that was the thing that we did before Snap was play Genshin Impact.
2: Yeah, well, you don't Literally. play anymore, so I have no reason to open it. Yet. Is that really it? No, it's not. no, it was it like basically since the breakup, right? They're extenuating circumstances. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
2: The thing, the thing that I did with my ex, also, so yeah, not not really feeling it. So instead, I just play different games. You know, like there's there's so Some many other
1: exactly like Denshin Impact
2: games. No, not really, but like there's there's so much good stuff out there that you can spend your time on, you know? It doesn't necessarily have to be one thing, and if, you're like, doing this one thing is not giving me as much enjoyment as I want from it, then I can find something else. Now
1: so, yeah, here, here you see the true costs of me becoming a content creator, which is that uh, I cost Mihoyo, like, 400 bucks over the past year. I can't ship back to Jerry anymore.
2: Well, also, being a content creator means that the stuff that I just said basically doesn't apply to you because you're you're snap guy now
1: yeah unfortunately i don't know i i don't know why i said unfortunately there actually i'm very lucky but it's like i used to play other games and i don't now yeah <laughs> i used to i used to like play fire emblem or whatever right shout out to Adel. actually yeah like i used to play fire emblem or whatever right now I just I just play Marvel Snap. It's crazy. I've never been in this it, into a game for this long and it's like, you yeah, know, it's a credit to Snap I suppose.
2: Yeah, the new Fire Emblem came out. You haven't didn't buy it didn't play it at all. I haven't
1: even touched it, but to be fair that Fire Emblem does not have Edelgard in it and thus, you know,
2: it's worse. I think I think she is kind of in it, but not in the way that <laughs> no
1: you know. no, it's like it's like it's like a like a Byleth is in it as like kind of a like a ghost or whatever, right? But I don't yeah, think yeah. she's in it.
2: Okay, fair enough. But yeah, yeah, I, like you, you could also try and do like variety stuff at some point. I think, but it is, it is mostly. I have not even want Snap to. That's the
1: lucked. thing, right? Like I used to want to play other games, <laughs> and now I don't want to play other games. I don't get it. It'll happen eventually, I'm sure.
0: That's Just, a good thing, though, Cam. If you wanted to play other games, it might make your streaming schedule painful. I, I, I applaud you for you playing Marvel Snap as much as you do. Cause I, uh, I, I, I'm taking a
1: full weekend off this weekend. I've never Hell taken yeah. a full weekend off. This is That's this. Is, I, 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 I Saturday and Sunday. It's crazy.
2: I mean, you say that, but we're recording this on Sunday, so
1: yeah. So like, it's not really a full weekend <laughs> off. I also wrote an article yesterday. Uh, I also played a game in a tournament yesterday. So like, you know, it's not really like a weekend off, but it's a weekend off of stream.
2: Okay, well, just keep doing what you're doing as long as you're enjoying it, man. That's all.
0: Awesome. That's the, the plan. All right. Well, thanks again, Jerry. I want to close it out with our, you know, we had a review come in this week. This is from Ziggy BJJ. Ziggy says, always learned a lot listening. Cam is at the forefront of the meta game and Brendan is a great host. Best regards ziggy sorry i got that wrong is it off the metagame but thank you for the review cam does does enjoy the the compliments that's for sure no if you want- I,
1: that was a definitely like, that's definitely one of the ones i've requested where it's like they do they do like a really big compliment to me and then go and brendan was also here i've asked our i've asked our audience to to, to give me more of those so but this time I'm going to change it up uh i want you to say uh uh wow, your guests are so cool. They should be on there permanently and replace both of you. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's what I'm looking for this time. I actually got a couple of comments like that about hat. It was yeah. just like make hat a permanent fixture on the pod. Bring back ridiculous hat. And it's just like, guys, damn. Okay, fine.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean hat is awesome. So yeah. he
1: is incredible. It's like, damn, it's like, all right. Alright, that makes me feel the same way as the like, oh yeah, you know, Brendan's this incredible, knowledgeable person, and also KM is there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, same way as someone, someone comes in your chat and says GG, you're like, oh,
1: okay. It doesn't bother me anymore. I swear, I promise, I'm reformed. I'm <laughs> hashtag reformed. I'm not, I'm, I, I don't get mad at that. Granted, I don't get mad at that, because no one does that, because I don't play people anymore. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I right. haven't had to experience that in two months.
0: Well, if you want to get your review, uh, read out on the pod, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. There's not a video version of, of this on YouTube, but it is on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that like and subscribe where right you're there. I'm on Twitter at Brendan APG. Cam's at KM best MS. Jerry's at G3RRYT. And Cam, what's your, what's your streaming schedule this week?
1: um going back to hopefully uh just six days a week uh we've actually i've actually like finalized an actual content schedule for myself which is crazy because i i don't know if people know this i never had one i just kept i just did stuff i did a schedule i made a schedule yesterday uh so yeah it'll be it'll be monday through saturday uh 6 p.m to 10 p.m straight up that's the schedule for streaming i actually like it's no longer like you know, oh, the weekends are going to be different. No, if we're just doing we're doing Monday through Saturday, six to ten. That's what it's going to be.
0: Another day, one infinite queued up. We got a new season dropping, right?
1: I think if I don't do day one infinite, I'm liable to see more players.
0: <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think I think if I if I like, here's the thing. But I know the human spider didn't do day one infinite, and he also got bot eload. Yeah, so. I don't know if it'll even help. I'll have to see what the rank changes are. I would love to find that out.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.